Among the many threads of the conversation you're about to hear that stood out for me were these. I papered my walls with degrees and resume drafts and dazzling spreadsheets and started to see them as mirrors. And this one. Aren't we all searching for a spark that reminds us we're alive? And inside every day is a possibility. My guest today is my friend, the poet and educator Tristan Richards. Tristan talks with me about her own version of a journey that I'm guessing is familiar to many of you. A journey into overwhelm and burnout, fueled by the tangled morass of unrelenting professional demands and personal loss and grief, all the while struggling to figure out the relationship and distinction between career and calling. We wonder together, what does it mean to be truly present in your own life? I'm Chris Johnson, and you're listening to Pause, Purpose, Possibility. Thanks for being here. So today we have with us my dear friend, Tristan Richards, who is an inspiration to me in so many ways. She is wise and artful. Uh, You'll hear as the conversation unfolds, uh, she's very kindly agreed to share with us a few pieces of her of her poetry uh, that I know will uh, enthrall and enlighten us. No pressure, Tristan. That's just, oh, wow. <laughs> that's just who you are and how you show up. Uh, but we don't know ahead of time uh, what those pieces are going to be or where where they'll fit in the conversation. So we're all going to be surprised together as we flow. Anyway, uh, welcome, Tristan. I'm just so grateful uh, and glad to have you with us. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. So uh, the folks know that your name is Tristan Richards, but what else would you like them, us all to know about you? Um, I'm a poet. I think that's the biggest thing that I like people to know. Um, Right now, that's kind of my main thing, which is really exciting. It's been something I've done my entire life, but have just always been too scared to take the leap and try to do it for real or a little bit bigger. Um, So right now my work looks like um, writing and teaching poetry and editing other people's poems and just doing a lot of stuff in that spot. Um, Yeah, I'm a generally creative person, I would say. I'm really into music and um, photography, painting, things like that. I make great French toast. I have a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. It is. I've perfected it. I'm not Mm -hmm. a great cook, but French toast and pizza bagels, those two I have down. Perfect. (laughs) And I understand that you are a rock star aunt. I am. Yeah. My my niece Blakely just turned three. Um and I'm obsessed with her. She's my favorite person on the planet. She is so funny. Um, yeah, I think that's been a huge part of huge like gift in my life the last years. I also live with some friends right now. So they have a 16 month old who I get to hang out with every day. So um, Freya, that that kid and Blakely are just the best. I feel like they're teaching me a lot about like play and being present and lightening up a little. Oh, that's always good lessons to be reminded of and, and to learn. And happy birthday to Blakely. Yeah, I hope she hears it. Okay. 
you've sort of already alluded to this, uh, Tristan, but across the years that you and I have known each other, um, you have dived deep into a range of different endeavors, the social justice work and grad school and college student affairs and now most recently writing and poetry, at least those that have been the professional niches along the way, along with all the other things that go into making up a life. What what can you tell us about what that journey has been like for you? What have been among the questions you've held, the challenges you've faced, the surprises you've encountered in looking for uh, your your calling, your sense of what your life wants to do with you? Ooh, uh, I think the biggest thing I would say is like, it's been both really chaotic and really strangely intuitive. Um, I've done a lot of different things. I was in nonprofits for seven years, mostly with Habitat for Humanity, which mm-hmm. used to be just like the thing people knew about me. I was so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I shifted into higher ed. Um, so I have a master's in leadership and student affairs. Did that for seven years, was mostly in orientation um now I've shifted into writing so I guess check back in about five and a half years and we'll see if there's <laughs> but yeah I um I have always been pretty um unhealthily hardworking. I don't have a great relationship mm-hmm. to balance mm-hmm. um and so when I'm in those situations I I try to do everything and kind of be everything to everyone unintentionally mm-hmm. and it's uh, leads to burnout. And I've experienced that on a pretty deep level twice, um, really. Um, so both of those like burnout times have been times when I've looked at my life and been like, I, I need a change. This is not healthy anymore. So I don't know. I think some people in my life are probably like, what is your career? Like you've been jumping around. So much. But for me, when I look backwards, I see how the things connect, um, yeah. both like work experience and just stuff I've been involved with in my communities and things I like to think about. So I worked with Habitat for Humanity um, all throughout college and then for the first few years after and loved it. And I think a big thing that I loved about it was that it was about helping people feel at home, both like literally physically in a, in a house and also feeling connected to community and like they're uh, making a difference in their own lives. And that was something that I haven't always felt. And I think that was part of why I loved it so much at the time. Um, and so I've taken that like belonging work and and I learned a lot about program development and things like that, took that into higher ed. So all of those things inform the way I teach poetry now. Um, and when I left uh, about a year and a half ago, I was kind of in this point of feeling like I was never going to get some of the feelings that I got from working with students again or like I was giving that up to follow this other thing I care about. And I've been really pleasantly surprised to find that like I've built spaces in which I still get to do that stuff just with writers instead of college students. Um, and a lot of my writers are college students. So, hmm. um, so that's been fun. Cause it's like, I get to build um, what those communities look like and what my relationships with, with writers and, and other people look like. Um, and I felt a lot of like the um, fulfillment that I used to feel from like seeing a student start to understand something in their job or um, seeing a student start to find belonging. So like it all, it makes sense to me looking backwards, but I don't think it did really at the time. So April is National Poetry Writing Month. Um, and so poets around the world try to write 30 poems in 30 days, which is hard. Um, I've probably tried 10 or 12 of the past years and I've completed it and something that I was starting to notice was 
it's really hard to do that on your own. And so in 20, uh, 2021, I was starting to ask around with some of my friends, like, does anyone want to be my accountability buddy? And just, we can text each other each day. Like, Hey, did you write your poem? Yep. Nope. And then, you know, at least someone's like waiting to hear about it to help us kind of stay motivated. And I started hearing from so many people that they wanted that, that I just kind of on a whim decided to turn it into a workshop. And that um, turned into what now is called Unfold. Um, so there was there, to my knowledge, I don't want to like say that there's never been anything out there in case I'm wrong, but I couldn't find any sort of a workshop around that particular goal. It was just kind of something we all did on our own. And maybe some different sources would post like writing prompts, but there was no community around like getting to know each other and helping each other do it and just like showing up to a space each day to do that writing um, and work toward that goal. And so I just built it um, and it grew really quickly. Um, we, I'm starting to work on the third year of it now. Um, this past year, it really kind of took off for me. I had like over 60 writers find me um, and pay in some way or another. I've got to bring in some of these really big name poets that I've gotten to know as guest hosts um, and it's turned into this community that's still like really active. And that I think was how people kind of let me start doing all the, all the writing stuff. It, it built credibility really quickly. Um, and so since then I've been teaching um, a lot. I do a four to six week workshop probably every other month. And then a lot of just kind of one-off one day things, but I get to do it all day, every day. And that's been really fun for me. So. Um, and again, the, the April poetry writing month one is called Unfold. Yep. Can you give us 15 seconds on why that title? What, what does that yeah. mean to? So the whole first year of Unfold, we didn't have a name. I just called it the National Poetry Writing Month Workshop on yeah, Zoom. Sure. It just got to be such a mouthful. I was like, we have this has become a thing. <laughs> and I stressed about it like all year. I could not find the name. And it was getting to be the point where like I needed to open registration. So I was just sitting at my desk, like looking through thesauruses and, and being like, what do I want to call this thing? And I was on a, a different word. I forget what it even was now. And I just like the word unfold was in a random thesaurus list. And I just all of a sudden there were so many images attached to that for me, thinking about like a newspaper unfolding, a story unfolding, like a body that's been really constricted unfolding. And all of those things felt really relevant because the whole point of it is like expanding and trying to do this thing that helps you grow really quickly because you're just like constantly producing and, and being in community. So um, yeah, that's where the name came from. And it's, I think it's stuck. I think it's, I think it's the right name. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. So earlier on, you mentioned that, uh, people have wondered, and sometimes you wondered yourself, what is your career? Okay. Yes. Fair enough question. But you and I, again, share a, a conversation thread over time that has room to distinguish between career on the one hand and calling or meaning or purpose on another. Uh, so while the shapes of your career have morphed, evolved, changed over time, as of today, how would you describe your deeper underlying, more elastic thread sort of sense of calling of the, the, the person who is you, who shows up in all those different career shapes? Does, well, first, does that distinction make sense to you? And, and then if so, how would, in fact, today you name your 
calling and not to put words in your mouth, but I've, I've been intrigued by the possibility that maybe it involves something like unfolding, mm -hmm. that your vocation is unfolding or your vocation is around belonging, cultivating belonging, so on and so on. Just Again, I'm not putting words in, I don't intend to put words in your mouth, but so does that distinction make sense between career and calling or vocation or purpose or however you want to call it? And if so, how do you name for yourself the latter? It does make sense. I think I, um, you know, we met when I was a college student and at the time I had all these big dreams of what I wanted my life to look like and what I thought work could look like. And then I got a little jaded when I got out um, quicker than I would have liked and just kind of started separating the things that made me me from how I showed up at work. And, you know, personality mm -hmm. maybe was similar, but I just like didn't feel um, safe, I guess, or secure or okay about showing up as like poet Tristan and not, not as in like doing poetry, but like deep feeling, vulnerable, let's talk about the real stuff. Uh, I didn't feel like I could bring that to work and, and in some cases was asked not to. Um, and so I think kind of subconsciously, I really started separating those things and I was one person at work and one person after work and that's never how I've wanted to live. Um, so now I'm kind of in this chapter of like, I don't think I'm gonna be satisfied in a job, a career a situation um, unless I'm showing up as myself. And so I'm, I'm figuring out how I can do that. Um, I don't, I don't think coming up with the name unfold was an accident at the time. I think it was something I was kind of supposed to find if I'm getting a little, um, woo woo about it. <laughs> uh, cause it is, it's, it's, um, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but I came out of a season of just so much change and grief and burnout and loss and just change um, and have really been focusing on, I started realizing like I had lost track of who I am. Um, I had I had been so in this wheel of, of productivity for other people that like when people started asking me who I am or what I care about, my I would just stare at them blankly. And I was like, I honestly don't know anymore beyond like the facts on my resume. And that was really scary for me. And so I think the last year, year and a half, two years has been about me really kind of starting to take up space again and starting to notice the things that make me me that aren't just like what I do professionally or, you know, obvious things about me. I feel like I'm like a cheerleader for the weirdos sometimes. <laughs> Put that on your business card. Yeah, I should. Um in that, like, there are a lot of people, I think, who just feel like they can't fully be themselves for whatever reason it is and and are trying to fit into these boxes that they just aren't meant to fit in. Um, and I think, you know, I, I like to think if I can model what just like stepping outside of that box looks like and 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 going for it in a way that is not 100% successful. Um, I've uh. definitely been going through it the last few years with that, um, but I've continued um, because there's something that just like feels like I, this is what I'm supposed to be doing and the further I've gotten into it and the, the more honest I've been about like what it's taken for me to follow the things that I want um more and more people have like kind of come to me and been like here's a situation that I'm in like I just like wish that I could do what you're doing or whatever um and it was a weird thing for me to start hearing because I was like I'm stumbling through all of this uh -huh. like I have right no sense of where I'm going 
Um, I'm just like defiantly following it. And so I think pointing that out to people, like there's never going to be a point where you're like, okay, I'm ready to take the step or I'm ready to make the change, but it's just about doing it. Um, I don't know. I guess I wish I would have had more examples of that in my life. Uh, part of, I think what I heard in there was uh, sort of constantly living in the tension between, on the one hand, living into who you are or who you know you want to be on the one hand, and on another hand, um, the need to pay the bills uh, or uh, to live a life that is by some conventional societal cultural measures successful uh what do you what have you learned about the tension between those two and uh how they maybe aren't as different or distinct as it, it might appear on first glance i think one thing is like the tension is always going to be there I used to just like even in my writing I used to be way back a writer who like waited for the muse to strike me I felt like I couldn't write unless I had a fully fleshed out idea and then when I started doing it more regularly I was like that's not a sustainable way to be a writer like you have to learn to stretch the muscle and I see that in so many other things too like I um quite honestly I knew I needed to leave um the work that I was doing um years before I actually made the change and I just felt like I couldn't do it or I didn't know what the right step was and so I was waiting for the right opportunity or to feel brave enough or to have a sign or just like a clear picture of of how to do whatever I was doing I thought I could prepare for a change and it's that's never been how my life has gone I don't know why I still like <laughs> actually I'm like I can prepare for the next one I've literally never been prepared for a change in my life mm. um, but you figure it out like I I think I um, am remembering as I'm going through this that I'm I'm more like scrappy <laughs> and mm -hmm. like resourceful than I am remembering that I was and resilient yeah resilient I think mm -hmm. I so yeah, I think like waiting for the tension to go away just isn't the path for me because I'll be waiting forever. Um, there's not going to be a time where like the skies open up and it's like, now is the time for you to be a writer. Here's all the money. Go on tour. Your books are written. Like that's not going to happen. Um, but I think learning to live with that tension and, and see that it isn't all like negative has been good for me. Um, I have always... Chris, I remember telling you this once and you were like, I don't think that's true about you, but I have always personally felt um, not present in my life. Uh -huh, right. Um, mm. <laughs> other people might disagree, but that's what it's felt like for me. And I, um, it's, it's affected me in a lot of really big ways. I think like I can be present in a conversation, but I'm yeah. not present like in the driver's seat of my life. Yeah, right. Um, there's been just years that I've like sleepwalked through and just been like, well, this is what I have to do and not even slow down to think about, is this what I want to do? Am I good at this anymore? Is there anything I'm contributing? Is mm. it bringing me joy? And those are all uh, just really massive, important, crucial questions. Just yeah. sorry to interrupt, but seriously, that, no. that's worth shining light on. Yeah. I, mean, I think they're big, big ones that I've been carrying. And I 
it's been really, really hard for me to learn how to be present. I think we have this image of like meditating and yoga and we're like in a field with like the sun opening or whatever. And like, that's what it looks like to just like be in your life. And for me, it has not looked like that. I've had, you know, some nice experiences, of course, but it's been, um, you know, waking up afraid of my day and just being like, I'm just going to sit with the fact that I'm afraid of my day. Um, I can't, I can't like try to push that away anymore because for so much of my life, I've been a, like, I, I don't have time to deal with this feeling. I'm going to bottle it up. I'm going to push it away. No one cares. Like it doesn't matter right now. And when you do that, like I have a poem, not one of the ones I'm going to read, but I have a poem, I think in my first book that um, talks about like, um, it's using carbonation as a metaphor. Like if you were trying to contain a bottle that you've shaken up of coke or something like it's going to explode eventually it's just a matter of when and your life decides for you sometimes like nope now is the time that we're going to make this change because you didn't want to like ease into it earlier um and so I think I don't know that there's been a lot in my life that hasn't been um hasn't had some kind of tension like that but I you mentioned resilience. Like, I think I have learned that I am a lot more capable of like being with that tension and just kind of like letting it be a fact alongside whatever I'm doing um, and not waiting for like a perfect scenario. You, thank you for that. You have alluded along the way to burnout. Mm -hmm. um, what more can you tell us about your own experience of that? Where does that come from? How do you know it's coming? How do you live to the other side, get beyond and pass through it? Um, yeah. Yeah. What what what's your story with burnout? Um, so I have experienced it in a few ways. The one that's really relevant to me right now is the last um three or so years. My life kind of blew up in pretty much every possible way. Um I, so the pandemic started, obviously that's mm. been something that affected all of us. Yeah. Um, I've been having some pretty big financial challenges during that time. I've been learning a lot and noticing a lot about um, some identities I hold and how I approach relationships. Um, but like in terms of uh, events that have happened, um, Christmas 2020, my apartment flooded. Um, my upstairs neighbor turned off their heat, which is not something you do in Minnesota in the winter. Mm -hmm. Um, and it destroyed my apartment um, and I didn't have a home for six weeks. And so, of course, that happened during orientation season. It was um, that was my first experience on a big scale of like work just didn't and maybe couldn't care about what was going on in my life. They needed me to be in the position that I was um, responsible for. So I was trying to manage these really complex programs from a distance because I didn't have anyone in town I could stay with. And so I went and stayed with some grandparents um, who were two and a half hours away. Mm -hmm. um and it was really really tough and so once that kind of reached some equilibrium my grandpa was diagnosed with ALS um and that was happening um mm -hmm. kind of during that time and it progressed quickly which was really really hard to watch I've been really close with my grandparents my whole life um my family's really young and so they've never felt really like old grandparents I guess mm -hmm. for me um, they've been really present in my life and um, I, so I was one of my grandma's grandpa's caretakers, but again, I lived, uh, two and a half hours away. These are the other grandparents. Both of them live in the same town. Um, so I, 
at first was driving down um, every few weeks and then it was every weekend and then it was a couple times each week. And then by the end, um, he was in the hospital the last week of his life and uh, it was me and my grandma who stayed in the hospital with him. Um, and it was tough because I, I just watched him lose agency over his life like you know muscles started going then he couldn't walk and then he couldn't eat and he couldn't use the bathroom by himself and it was just really tough to watch this person who had been such a huge um role model in my life who I who had helped me with so many things suddenly be the person who needed the help and um I'm really glad that I got to do that and got to be really present in that change with him but I there was no space in that for what I was feeling or I didn't give myself space in that for what I was feeling because I had this massively complex job it was tough so I was writing a lot throughout that time I, I just kind of had this like I couldn't close my eyes to like any of the things that were happening I didn't really know that I was going to write a book about him um, which spoiler alert I did at the time but I just felt like I needed to write down like every single thing that was happening um maybe you know on a simple level, just because I wanted to remember my grandpa and um, what what that was like. But so it was a really tough time. He, um, and so that happened. And again, work didn't care. I was I was trying to balance being back and forth. And so one day I was on campus doing a training with my students, and then I was driving down to help you know get him into bed, and then I was driving back to train to lead training the next day, and it just wasn't sustainable. And I knew at that time, like. I knew that I needed to leave when I was starting to see like these two parts of my life just don't add up anymore. Like work can't give me the space that I need to be present um, with myself and my family. Um, but I didn't leave. I still did it for another year. Um, around that time, I was in um, a new confusing relationship that um, was, you know, a lot uh, for me to kind of process through. My therapist retired during that time. I'd been <laughs> two years um and then I got laid off so the job that I uh had been in for the last three years um gave me a semester's notice and just said we're eliminating your position they were restructuring some things and so I had five months um so it wasn't like I had done anything wrong I you know wasn't immediately fired or anything I had five months to kind of wrap up my work and it was really hard I was I was super ashamed of it at first I kept it a secret from everyone basically in my life uh for months I just felt like as soon as people know this thing about me they're gonna like look at me differently and think that I'm terrible or that I did some awful thing um and you know I kind of believed those things about myself in an unhealthy way but I didn't really have examples of like what those things were um and so Be believing I that those things about yourself I'm guessing might itself be a symptom or a manifestation of burnout. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. And I can see that now. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm totally on the other side of it, but I'm in a healthier place. And so yeah. burnout Sorry just, to like, interrupt. Oh, no, that's okay. Um, when you're in a space of burnout, like you're, you're running out of gas, basically you're in a car that's just like trying to keep things going. And so like nothing is operating the way that it needs to. And so, in order for that to continue, you almost like have to, to believe in these like false things about yourself, um, to stay in it. But, um, so anyway, I got laid off. I wrapped up my work. Um, eventually I told people and I just kind of decided to take 
the opening that I was getting and not jump right back into work. I was interviewing right away for other jobs that were really similar to mine. And then just kind of realized like, I am not in a healthy place. I am so burnt out. I don't remember who I am. I, I was becoming nonverbal at that time. Like people would ask me a question and I, I just like, it was like my head was empty. It wasn't just like, oh, I don't have anything interesting to say. I straight up did not have words to say. Um, and I've never <laughs> had that experience in my life. I'm kind of a talker. Um, I'm not like the most outgoing person in the world, but I like have never had a challenge having a conversation. And I, that was happening just constantly. I was like noticing myself just like, it was like I was buffering in real time if I was a video that was playing. And um, that was happening. It was a lot, we'll, we'll say that. Um, and around that time, I found out that they were gonna pay out my vacation and I never took vacation. So I had a lot of it. Um, and it gave me an amount of money that let me travel. Um, and so I decided, you know what? It doesn't feel like the responsible choice. I've had this like voice in my head telling me that everything I've done in the last few years has been irresponsible. I know that that's not true, but like, I still hear it. Um, and I was like, I'm going to take a month off. A month is not going to like destroy my life. I won't spend all this money, like, but I need to just like pause um, it did turn into quite a bit longer than a month. I traveled for two months straight. I visited like 18 cities. Um, I used Amtrak for most of it. So I spent most of um, two summers ago on a train, um, did a lot of writing, did a lot of being outside and seeing mountains and hiking and being at the ocean. Um, I stayed with mostly poet friends who I mostly I hadn't met in person, which was just a joy. Um, yeah. And I just, I paused. I, um, I was grieving. My grandpa had, you know, only been gone for a year at that point. And I, a lot of things were kind of falling apart in my life. And I was just kind of like, all I can do right now is like, go to the next location, like find myself a good croissant and write a poem about it and then maybe cry. Like that was, that was what I had in me at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so that was summer 2022. Um, and then I came back and thought that I would jump right back into a job, but then of course my writing stuff had really taken off and I was like, you know what, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to do this. So I put out a book, um, that fall, um, my first full length chapbook is called not all challenges are for us. Those were poems entirely about burnout. Um, so it, you know, it makes sense to me that I wrote that book at that time. First of all, thank you for sharing all that. That's that is really big stuff. So thank you for your honesty and vulnerability and courage in sharing all that. And yes, I was wondering whether now would be a place to hear some of your work. Yeah, I'll do um I'm actually gonna do two poems back to back if that's okay. And then sure. save the other one later. So these are both kind of about burnout and the last couple of years. Um, this first poem is really new. I wrote it last week, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and it's called, If the World is Burning, I Want to Touch It While I Can. Say it goes this way. Tomorrow I print my resume and burn it. There's no need to update it anymore. I plant the ashes and mark the soft ground so I can find them later. My life becomes a field and I am walking its rows finally interested. There is so much life here, so many ways to be alive. Once I lived on sips and chapped lips and told myself it wasn't abundance, but it was enough. 
I drove into trauma after trauma and every field that passed looked like the same idea, blurred. My vision was so clouded, I couldn't tell you where I began and the world ended, but it felt like everything was always ending unless I wanted it to. There are so many ways to wish a life away, and I'm not ashamed to tell you I've touched most of them. My hands would have been better off sifting soil than reaching for things I was never meant to carry. I'm only 32 and my back is never not sore. I walk with a thousand reminders of life's lives I tried on but never fit, and today I strip down to bone and rebuild. I plant new seeds. I water it all. I visit the ashes and realize they have grown into poems. Thank you. So that, yeah. And then I just figured we'll do these together because they're related. Um, uh, this next one is called Serving the Wrong God. Back then, I followed the God of output like my North Star. I ignored every story but this one. Staying ready will keep you safe. I papered my walls with degrees and resume drafts and dazzling spreadsheets and started to see them as mirrors. Sometimes the sun kissed it all so gently I believed that I was on the right path, but I missed myself in the darkness. Isn't it easier to see the light shining off something if you can't find it in yourself? Aren't we all searching for a spark that reminds us we're alive? Listen, sometimes the work can give that to you. Sometimes a day is a mountain and you're the only one who knows the path. It feels good to lead a team to pinnacle, to plant a flag and tell the world, I did this. When you work so hard, you lose yourself. Where can you find yourself but in your accomplishments? Are they not proof of life? If you have nothing to show outside the office, at least the office is one that no one else would want. I got drunk on my own miracles. I drank so deeply, I turned myself inside out. Now I am mapping myself by what I find inside. I walked out of the office and found the sun where it wanted me. I'm not sure if my new God is my body or my intuition or the universe or maybe just light, but I know it's not too late to build my own religion. It's not too late to recover my walls in color, in poetry, in stories of where I've been. This time I won't forget to leave space for where I'm going. I won't forget to paint what's happening now. Nothing else could bring me home. So as we start turning the corner to winding down, let me ask you two more questions. One just very open-ended, swat it away if you want. And that is, what else would you like me to ask you? Uh, what's a question that uh, you wish someone would ask, but they just haven't yet? And then consider yourself asked by me. So that's the first. And then the second would be, if you can close us out by sharing one more poem. Yeah. I think a question that I wish people asked me more is like, what am I excited about? Mm -hmm. um, Tristan, what are you excited about these days? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Chris. Okay, thank you. Um, I So one of the things that I've, I've noticed myself thinking about sometimes when I'm just like, I don't know what to do with my day. If I can find like a big block of time to just get deeply nerdy about something, just like <laughs> something that no one else would care about, like making an alphabet themed writing workshop. <laughs> Um, I get really excited about those things. So I think right now I'm, I alluded to this earlier, but I'm, I have a collaboration, a few collaborations with, again, one of my actual favorite poets of all time, um, who I've become friends with now, uh, starting January. Um, so I'm thrilled about that. We're working on it, um, quite a bit lately and I just can't wait to announce it. Um, I am hoping to put another book out in the next six or so months. So, yeah. um, 
I've called this chapter of my life bold season. <laughs> so it's just been about like making yeah. major decisions and kind of going after things and, and being brave um, in literally every way in my life. And so I anticipate that that's going to be the title. You heard it here first, if it ends up being that, but so I'm excited about getting that out. I would love to start doing shows. Like if I could do a mini tour, when that book comes out, I would probably lose my mind with excitement. Bold season. Bold season. Friend of mine made me a bracelet that says bold season. And Love it. Honor. Uh, this isn't going to sound as poetically lyrical as I wish, but I'm just going to say you are boldly unfolding into your true self in just really magical ways. Thank you. Thank you for all of this. And can you close us with one more poem? I would love to. Um, this is called On the Other Side after Sandra Lim. Uh, so what I mean by that, if you're not a poet, is Sandra Lim wrote this poem that I love called Amor Fati. And the first line of it is, inside every world, there's another world trying to get out. And that line just was like stuck in my head forever before I wrote this poem. So, And that's from Sandra? Sandra Lim. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so on the other side. Inside every day is a possibility and you can choose what to do with it, but usually you don't. None of us really do, but we could. Inside every breakfast is something you wanted to begin with. Inside every outfit is an attempt to tell the world what we needed to know. Inside every profession is a person, but we forget them in favor of the machines they keep running. We call that progress. Inside every light bulb is a pivot waiting to click open. Inside every debate is a part of you that needs to be heard wailing into a microphone. Inside every door is a beginning or an ending depending on which way you're coming at it. Inside every ocean is a tiny piece of each of us, and most of us are still trying to see ourselves in it. Inside every conversation is an outstretched hand, gentle in its longing. Inside every walk is a chosen direction or a followed path. Inside every glass of water is a choice to continue. Inside every friendship is a mirror. Inside every love is your own heart beating toward what's waiting. I think what I'm trying to say is that you are inside every decision you make. And if you can't find yourself, maybe your wanting is the best place to look. Maybe all we need to know is already here. Maybe the pieces really do want to assemble a picture if we lay them all out together. I want to know what you want. I want to know what it feels like to want. I want to watch you commit to your wanting. I want to see what's on the other side. That deserves a longer pause of awe and appreciation than I feel like I can give it. Oh, thank you so much, Tristan, for that, for sharing what you did today with us of your life and your journey. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun to talk about it. As always, we invite you to continue to dwell with what you've heard in today's episode by leaving you with a big question of the week and a practice or action step to take with you. Recalling the line from Tristan's poem about papering my walls with degrees and resumes and dazzling spreadsheets and starting to see them as mirrors, with what do you paper the walls of your own life? And when you look into those mirrors, 
Where do you see yourself as truly present in your own life? And what seems to want to shift in order for you to be more fully present in your own life? In this week's practice, at the start of each day as you're able, take a moment to simply be still, enjoy a few deep breaths, and complete this sentence. Inside the day to come is the possibility that... Next week, we'll offer just a short little episode on practicing holiday pause, with a few thoughts about the power and importance of awe and wonder and of light in winter's darkness. I hope you'll join us. I'm Chris Johnson, and this is Pause, Purpose, Possibility, Exploring Meaning and Connecting with True Self. Thanks for being here.